We've got TED Talks today, you may not have known. Now, can I just say, I know that some people, I realize, we've called these things TED Talks, and peop- I know there are some people going, what on earth are they talking about? Why do they call them TED Talks? What is this thing that they talk about? And we just assumed that people would know, which is never a good thing in a church. Um, so, TED Talks are... They appear on, there's a thing called TED Talks, which you can see on the internet. And they are, basically, the reason we call them TED Talks is because they're short talks. TED Talks, when you watch them on the internet, are about 20 minutes long, I think, around that, that, that length. We've said seven minutes to people. That's the only reason we call them TED Talks. There is no deep theological um, meaningful thing apart from that. But that's the reason. Okay, they're short talks in which we give people, we get to hear People in the church say what is on their heart and to, and to bring something of uh, what they think God is saying to us. So they're great. They're great. And we've had some great ones so far. And we've got two great people today who are going to come and um, speak to us. And, and um, they're going to bring us, uh, carry on in our series that we've been looking at in the footsteps of Jesus, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, so, Brian, if you could come and read the passage for us, please. And then we'll introduce the people who are going to speak to us. This morning's passage is from, um, from Matthew chapter 4, um, the first four verses. Um, it's a short one. It's one of those that starts then. So in this context, then is following immediately after Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Brilliant. Thanks, Brian. So today, because we've got two people, we're being extra generous, and instead of seven minutes, we're giving them ten minutes each. I know, I know. Don't say we don't ever be nice to people. So... (laughs) Um, what, we, what we've always done, we'll, we'll hear from each person, and after each person, we'll give a little bit of space for us to just ask, what's God saying to us? But we'll, we'll also give an opportunity at the end of both talks for a response and for us to all to respond to what God might be saying to us. So, let, it's Vic, you first, Vicky, isn't it? Great. Let's welcome Vicky. Vicky Taylor. We'll, Vicky, you, I'm sure you'll introduce yourself just briefly, and we'll, we won't come, come, that's part of your time. Um, <laughs> um, but let me just pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Vicky. Thank you for the, the wonderful woman of God that she is, for the way that she seeks after your heart, and thank you for the preparation that she has put into this. We pray, Lord, that you, you would speak through her to us. We would love to hear your voice, Lord, and we long to hear your voice. So bless Vicky as she speaks to us. Amen. Hello, so I'm Vicky. Um, I've been coming to Philly since about August, September time now. Um, and I, I don't like saying what I do, but what I do is actually a huge part of who I am, so I'm going to say what I do. Um, I work for a company called Fusion because I love working with students. Um, I, on my day-to-day, get to have lots of coffee with students and tell them about Jesus and show them how to tell people about Jesus. So it's a job and a massive blessing, so... I'm excited to be here today. Um, I just want to share a story with you. So when I was eight years old, 
Um, I lived in a house where we were really fortunate enough to have two back gardens. It was quite rogue. Um, and the front part of the, of the garden had um, stepping stones that I would say would were a stepping stone, so like a magical kingdom or something. And there was a Wendy house. And in the summer, we'd have those pop-up... Um, Play, what are they called, paddling pool things. And even on my birthday, we had bouncy castles. And it was an eight-year-old's dream. It was amazing. And I was definitely the most popular one in my class because of our garden. The second section of the garden was a different thing entirely. So it was separated by a fence that should have had a risk assessment because it was so dodgy. And we had a greenhouse that had had pieces of glass broken away and an allotment that used to have lots of things growing, but it's kind of just everything was a bit overgrown. And naturally, my mum, being a good parent, said, you're not allowed to go into that section of the garden unsupervised because it's not safe. Um, So I'm sure every parent or grandparent in the room can emphasise with my mum when... I, she often found me in the second section of the garden, unsupervised, because even though I had all of the toys in the world in the first part of the section, I wanted what I wasn't allowed to go into. Um, but it was actually in those parts of the, in the wildness of the garden that that's where I had my biggest dreams. Now, I wasn't Christian at eight years old. I wasn't raised in a Christian family, but I loved writing and I loved stories and poetry. And that's where I would have my biggest, now I call them God dreams. And it was at those places where now I can see that actually I was really well prepared at eight years old for the kind of stuff that I'm doing now. It was not safe. It was actually, yeah, children probably shouldn't have been allowed in there, which is why my mum was constantly dragging me back in. It was inhospitable, but it was wild. And for some reason, as a child, I liked being in there. But I was in good company. In this verse that we've heard, Jesus is led into the wilderness. He didn't find himself there accidentally, and he wasn't disobeying his parents, going somewhere where he shouldn't have been. He was led there. He was led into the unknown, the unsafe, and the inhospitable. And God has a track record of doing this with people throughout the Bible. So in Exodus and Deuteronomy, Jesus leads Israel, God leads Israel, but Jesus into the wilderness to test their commitment and their love for him. So do you know that the the word wilderness, that's fun to say, in Hebrew actually means a place of speaking? So when people were being led into Israel, they probably weren't thinking, oh, I've got to go into the wilderness. Oh, such a season. I'm just just grumbling and grumbling. They were actually probably really expectant because the wilderness was the place where God actually spoke to them. And they knew that. This time for them is a season of preparation and a time for them to be close with God. And it's the same with Jesus in the wilderness. This is the time where he would put together his ultimate plan to confront evil and confront Satan. But just like the snake in the Garden of Eden, Satan's strategy to destroy is a classic one of his. He doesn't start with saying, you should turn away from God altogether. He starts with a simple word that can sow a seed from turning the season of preparation into a season of doubt. And it's the word, if. If you are the son of God, he wants Jesus to doubt that God's calling over his life and to doubt that God is really who he says he is. Sounds familiar to Eve when just before she ate the apple, I'm pretty sure it wasn't in her heart to be completely disobedient from God. But the first thing is she doubted who God said he was because of what Satan had said to her. 
The seemingly small question of doubt led to, a, led to a choice of disobedience, and we know how that one turned out. But Jesus' response here was one that was full of power and, and scripture and taken word for word from Deuteronomy 8. Jesus' defending himself was not through his own words, but from the power of historical scripture where he says, For it is written... Because despite the, the temptation, despite the test, he knows the truth. And he knows that old words still work today and they still work through the power of God. It is only through the authority and the power of his words because of historic scripture that that makes a difference in the battle. In the wilderness, in the season of preparation defined by fasting and prayer, Jesus' first strategy against temptation was the living word of God. We know that, that Jesus won the battle here, but the wilderness wasn't actually about the battle. It was about the preparation. Jesus was concerned about getting prepared more than he was about getting out of the wilderness. I'm wondering if we can say the same. For me, the wilderness hasn't always been a place of prayerful meditation it's actually been really frustrating so between my second and third year of university I knew that I needed a summer job and I've been employed since I was 14 years old so not having a job was quite an abstract concept to me and I had used to utilize all the contacts I had I'd given out a million CVs and nothing and I thought God knows that I need finances here so why is he not providing It was the end of July, two-thirds of the summer had gone already and still no job. And it was in my my financial wilderness and frustration that I heard the whisper of God remind me a bit of the story of Esther. So Esther goes through a 12-month preparation before she can meet the king. And I can imagine, I didn't know Esther, but I can imagine that probably wasn't the happiest 12 months of her life. She probably didn't feel qualified or ready But she was prepared by the time that she had met the king. You see, I said that I trusted God with my finances until I gave him my finances and had no finances. I realized that perhaps my trust was more in my ability to get jobs because I'd always done it before than God's ability to provide me with one. And somehow we say we provide God, we trust that God will provide, yet we still have the bank card in the back of our pocket holding on just in case he doesn't pull through. Thankfully, I got a job and he provided just as I needed, and that's a great story in itself. But that, re- that three months of summer was nothing compared to what I knew was coming. So two months later, I got offered my dream job, which is the one that I'm working at now. And I get to work with students, and I get to write stories, and I get to hear people's stories, and I get to be creative and do all of the things that I did in the wilderness when I was eight years old, but just on a different level. The only problem is, there's no salary. You raise your own salary. Now, I know that if I had been offered that job before that summer, I would 100% said no. Because I would have said, well, actually, no, I need a graduate job because I need to know that God will provide. Not thinking about the fact that maybe God will provide while I'm doing the thing he's asked me to do. I definitely felt the fear. I definitely felt the anxiety. But my favorite quote is, feel the fear and do it anyway. This is another quote I heard. Trees don't get deep roots without the wind battering them. 
I felt that summer that I had had quite a lot of battering in terms of the finances department. But now I'm doing the dream job that I love and I wouldn't change anything. So perhaps your wilderness is financial insecurity. Perhaps you're working your butt off and you're not getting anywhere and you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from. Perhaps your wilderness is sickness. You know you're called to do more, but you just wish your body would just get on board with that vision. Perhaps your wilderness is singleness, where everyone else seems to be getting in a relationship or getting engaged, and you're wondering when on earth your turn is. Sometimes we want out of the wilderness more than we want God in the wilderness. I know I have. At eight years old, I would escape to the wilderness of the garden. Overgrown rose bushes would leave me with cuts and scrapes, and stinging nettles would leave me uncomfortable. But when I took a moment to stand still instead of trying to move, it was there that I had my biggest eight-year-old dreams. Thirteen years on, at 21 years old, I love escaping to the wilderness. It's where I can build up my biggest God dreams, where my heart is prepared and I can always run to the Father. Because what the world tells me is inhospitable, impossible and too far gone, God says that is the very place that I will prepare and grow you. So my question to you is, how can we make space for God to prepare us in our wilderness? Thank you. Fantastic. I forgot that he might speak to me as well when I said that. (laughs) Let's just pause for a minute and let's just rest in God. Can I encourage you to make a note if if you know what he's saying to you? Do make notes. I've written down stuff from what Vicky's just said. You forget it if you don't. Great. Well, there will be a chance to respond some more, but let's just welcome our second speaker, Lucy Buckley. We are very blessed this morning to have two mighty women of God speak to us, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, Lucy is a good friend. I'm inspired by her and Andrew and the way that they go after God. Um, They do the stuff and they just get on with it, and uh, I love that about them. So let's just pray for Lucy as she comes to speak. Thank you, God, for Lucy. Thank you for her heart, for the way that she pursues you, for her honesty and her desire to serve you and see you glorified in her life and through her life. We pray now that as she speaks to us again, Lord, would you speak to us and would you help us to hear all that you want to say? Amen. Um, Hello, I'm Lucy Buckley. And I've been in this church for more than half my life now. And I live in Hillsborough with my husband, Andrew, and our two children, Amy and Reuben. 
Amy will be very pleased that she came first in that sentence. She isn't the oldest. Um, and yeah, um, and I'm much more at home with talking to people when there's lots of little children around, but I'm here to give this a go anyway. Okay, so this is a story of love and obedience. It's the story, the invitation that runs through all of Scripture. Now, obedience has a bad press. We tend to interpret it negatively, relating it to misused power and being downtrodden or passive. But whilst preparing, I kept coming back to themes of obedience. And I noticed how the call of God to obedience was intrinsically linked to love. Many times in Deuteronomy, we read love and obey, love and obey. See, Almighty God isn't just seeking a people who will love him with their emotions, but a people who will obey him with their all and submit to his ways, trusting that this sets us right in the center of his love and care, people who will make him Lord of their whole lives. Um, In Matthew's Gospel... As Brian correctly pointed, we've just seen Jesus coming through the waters of baptism before he enters the desert for 40 days to face testing. And this mirrors the Israelites' journey, starting as slaves in Egypt, being rescued, passing through the waters of the Red Sea and being led into the desert for 40 years, where their love and obedience to God was tested before finally entering the promised land. And that's the story which Jesus quotes scripture from. So Israel was rescued from slavery with the promise of a fruitful, safe, abundant land. But they were unprepared for the hard desert journey they'd have to take to get there. The desert was not a nice place. Deuteronomy says, He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. But also with them in the desert was the daily, physical, manifest presence of God leading them. It says the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from their sight. He was constantly with them. And they had the daily, miraculous provision of manna. Bread comes straight from heaven every day for 40 years. It says in Deuteronomy, he let them go hungry and he fed them with manna. And he did it to teach them that people need more than bread for their life. Real life comes by feeding on every word of the Lord. He was after their hearts. He was after love and obedience. In the desert, they started to moan. Oh, that we were back in Egypt, they moaned. It would have been better if the Lord had killed us there. At least we had plenty to eat. But now you've brought us into this desert to starve us to death. Now, I can be a little bit melodramatic sometimes, so I can relate to this. And bless my husband, he can relate to this as well. Because he hears me getting melodramatic. They collected extra manna and they tried to store it for another day. That was not what God told them to do. They didn't trust God as he'd asked them to. Israel did not manage to stay faithful to God and trust him in the desert. And so God continued to pursue humanity's wholehearted obedience of lo- and love. Oh, going away. Let me get to Jesus. So in this story, in the story before this passage, Jesus is baptized in water. 
filled with the Holy Spirit, and hears the affirming word of the Father. This is my son, who I love. With him I am well pleased. After this affirmation and clarity, he is led by the Spirit into the desert. This desert testing has a place in God's plan. Now, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He's in the desert, weak and hungry, with no resources, just as the Israelites were. And here, the tempter arrives and tries to deflect him from God's will. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus has his identity questioned. Is he the son of God? He has his ability questioned. Can he turn these stones to bread? Can he provide food for the hungry? Jesus is the son of God. Jesus, we see later, had the power to feed 5,000 with a few loaves of bread. He surely had the power to command stones to loaves. But Jesus, faced with a need for food, something that is essential to life, he does not provide for himself, but instead acknowledges something else is more essential. He turns to God's written, unchanging word and quotes from our story of the Israelites in the desert. It is written... One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit and equipped with the word of God, a tired and hungry Jesus says no. The way to life is not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. He resisted the temptation to seek life apart from God. Through him, there is now a way of walking in complete obedience and love of the Almighty God. For, of course, he not only used the written word, but he became the living word. Um, God has set me free from so much insecurity and fear and the grip of sin. Since becoming a Christian, he has done amazing things in my life. And I've always rather enjoyed my life. And I have gladly prayed, as Jesus told us to, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And it is right to expect and pray this. And many times we experience God's kingdom breaking out on earth as it is in heaven. But we also live in a time before the fullness of his kingdom has been released. Over the last few years, I have become deeply aware of where I don't see the kingdom of grief, of pain, of unhealed illness, broken people, loneliness, disunity, personal sin and failure. And it broke my heart and made me long for heaven in a way that I had never done before. And I was, I was wondering how I would carry on, how I could live, sorry, <laughs> in this desert, knowing that I'm not in captivity before, but knowing I'm not in the promised land. And I was dejected and grumbling loudly. And also really aware that I was not a particularly great advert for being a Christian. Now last year I was really blessed to be able to have a break um, for a few months from working. Thankful to God and my husband and so many people who let that happen. And during that time I was able to spend some extended time reading the Bible and praying. It wasn't eloquent praying. And most of my Bible reading just resulted in a list of unanswered questions. But what I can see now has happened is I, 
I fell deeper in love with Jesus and I felt his presence in fresh and powerful ways. And I heard his voice more clearly and regularly than I've ever done. And I experienced a welling up of life. But I'm still in a desert. I'm still aware of the gap between what I see now and what God promises will come. I think we live our whole lives in a desert. My life has still not reached a destination that I'm happy with. In fact, I am really unclear of what path my life is taking. I have no career path or profession. I still see just as much pain and brokenness. In fact, the more you look, the more you see. But I look at the story of Jesus and see that in the desert, God has given me the Holy Spirit and fed me with his life-giving word. And I look at the story of the Israelites and see that in the desert, God's presence is with me always. And he has fed me from manna from heaven. The word, Jesus, the word made flesh. Manna, Jesus sent from heaven, the bread of life. It is all about Jesus. So what is God's purpose and call in the desert? God wants hearts that love and obey. I was struck by a line in the song that we sang. I think this is what God wants us to be able to say, each and every one of us. We surrender to the truth that all we need is found in you. He wants us to have hearts that say your way, not my way. Your glory, not my glory. Your plans, not my plans. I trust you when I understand. I trust you when I don't see what you're doing. I will not go back to captivity. I will follow in the way that Jesus has opened for me. I will live by the word that became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. God wants your heart to love and obey. And he just drew out three things to summarize in two seconds. Oops. Um, One, are you tempted to go back to slavery? And I felt like there were some people who are tempted to give up on Jesus. And I want to say to you, hold on. I promise you this desert is better than slavery. And this desert does lead to the promised land. So hold on. Are you tempted to grumble in the desert? Are you disillusioned, disappointed, worn down, scared and exhausted? Or are you tempted to turn stones to bread? Are you tempted to try and satisfy yourself with something apart from the word of God? Are you tempted to try and satisfy yourself with friendship or food or security or purpose, ambition, control or comfort? And I think the response for these three temptations are the same. It's about a heart choice that leads us to encountering God in the desert. Jesus went into the desert full of the Holy Spirit and clinging to the word of God. And both of these are open to us today. So if you relate to any of these temptations of the desert and want to have a heart set to love and obey, come and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come and ask God to reveal the word made flesh through his written word. Thanks, Lucy.
Let's just pause for 30 seconds again. Okay, can I invite you to stand? We're going to have a time of response now. I need to respond to that. I invite you to respond to that. And I'm just going to... Dom, did we have a slide, a summary of this? Great. Um, so Vicky said, how can we make space for God to prepare us in our wilderness? And then Lucy says, are you tempted to go back to slavery? Are you tempted to grumble in the desert? Are you tempted to turn stones into bread? God wants your heart to love and obey him. And the word I put down is surrender. I... I, do I choose to go to him, to the word of God in the wilderness, whatever that means? And I'm going to stand at the front. I invite you, if you feel God speaking to you, to come and stand at the front. And as Lucy said, invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you. That's all you need to do. Come and say, I surrender to you in, in the place that I'm in. And I'm going to ask Lucy and Vicky to come round and just lay hands on people and uh, prayer team come and join them as well. They won't ask you anything. They'll just bless you as you come before God. So can I invite you to start coming now if you want to do that, if you want to respond to God in this place. I'm going to stand here and the band are going to lead us in worship. Please don't wait. If God's been speaking to you, come and respond and ask him to fill you with his spirit. His spirit.